0: The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Guerrilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I'm your host Paul Spain, and in this episode we have Ian Bonham from Chorus joining us. Welcome, Ian. Hello, Paul. It's great to be here. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on in. Now. Um thought maybe to start with you could uh, tell us a little bit about what what personal tech that you use. What are your favourite uh, things and have you made any changes in your uh, technology recently?
1: Yeah, I'm very happy to, uh, to talk about that. So I'm basically an Apple guy. I'm pretty much locked into the Apple ecosystem and uh, uh, I'm currently in the market for a new tablet actually because I've got a, uh, a one-year-old black Labrador at home who has just chewed my iPad Pro, so he's very much in the, uh, the bad books at the moment, <laughs> but um, probably the most interesting change is just in the last couple of weeks, I've switched to DuckDuckGo for all of my searching and browsing uh, needs, and uh, you know, I'm uh, still weighing it up a bit. It's uh, frustratingly not as good as Google, but I get to feel you know, a bit morally superior.
0: Uh, about using it, so what are the, uh, the shortcomings? M- what what sort of jumps out at you? Just the searches aren't as good as useful. Yeah, it
1: tends not to find the local results mm. as effectively as Google does. Um, it seems to return uh, U.S. based results more than yeah, you know, Google's just a bit smarter about returning mm. the the local stuff to you um, I'm sure as more people use DuckDuckGo it'll get better at that and I know you have to turn on where your location is So, uh, but I have done that but uh, yeah in general uh, I would say it's probably 85% of what you get out of Google yeah. uh, and if the flip side is that you get greater privacy I think I probably made the right choice for that
0: yeah good now there's nothing um there's not a uh, maybe a good equivalent for google maps is there and 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 those sort of regards I was, you know thinking about this you know the other day there's certain parts of the world where you know governments really want to know a lot about what 's going on where people are, or you know maybe. Um, you know join the dots on a lot of things and um you know maybe as certainly as things progress and they collect more and more data um you know you don't you don 't quite know what uh, what outcomes that might uh, you know that might lead to. Um, you know, particularly in um, you know re- regimes that aren't uh, democratic, uh, you uh, you can you know maybe not be quite quite so relaxed around. Where, yeah, where the it's, it's to tricky, isn't
1: it? Um, yeah, I, I I do wonder about how informed people have been in signing up for these services because that's their fundamental business model, right? Is and that's how they fund. All of the, the development of these – let's face it, they're fantastic services. They're really good. Um, until Google Maps came along, I spent most of my life being lost. Um, so I, I'm you know, hugely reliant on GPS-based services like that. Um, I wonder uh, if you know, people would be willing to pay for those services. But then you know, the whole point of the business model of these things is that they aggregate data. Um, so unless they're able to bring pull it all together, um, uh, you know it, it's it's a really tricky issue. Which I think there's growing discomfort uh, amongst the public about how their data is handled, and I think in particular how Facebook has handled issues recently has not given people many reasons to trust that they will do the right thing. No, no. Um, so. I think it's inevitable there will be some sort of regulatory response, whether that's global or or just here. Um, I think if you believe that your democracy is functional and that the will of the people gets done eventually, then I think there will be some sort of reckoning where Mm. things get pushed back in the other direction. It's hard though. It it's is, it's yeah. hard we'll, to pick the right response.
0: Yeah, we'll certainly, yeah, uh, yeah, certainly duck into uh, you know some of that shortly around mm. what's going on with with Facebook, some of those discussions. Um, and um, now we forgot to dive into what's your what's your role at Chorus because we definitely want to have a bit of a a bit of a chat about co- what's happening in the Chorus world during the show. Yeah, yeah
1: no, love to. Uh, so um, my job is I run the corporate relations team for Chorus. So We look after. Uh, all of our relationships with uh, our good friends in the media uh, and um, uh, relationship with the government and various community groups and things like that. So I'm I'm fortunate to sit on the chorus executive, uh, which gives me a pretty decent view right across the company um, and uh, spend a lot of time with uh, uh, really interesting people out and about across New Zealand.
0: Yeah, well, uh, it seems you're generally keeping uh, keeping pretty busy with... uh moving forward uh, our communications around the country.
1: Yeah, there's plenty going on. Would you believe that this year we'll see the uh, the completion of the initial Ultrafast Broadband Initiative? Um, you know, I was fortunate to be there at the start and you know, completing it just seemed like so far away that I couldn't even countenance it and yet here we are yeah. and we're looking at how we can extend it and improve it. mm
0: yeah, that's uh, that's quite pleasing. So, what's the sort of the cut off um, from a chorus perspective in terms of when you have to get all your work done for that sort of UFB one? UFB one
1: is by the end of this calendar year, by the end of twenty nineteen, right? Uh, and we will, yeah, um, probably a bit early mm-hmm. actually. And then mm-hmm. there's some more of the extensions that you might remember came along uh, a couple of years ago, uh, and that'll run through till twenty twenty two. So people can still be connected after that but running the fiber down the street that the job's done by
0: 2022. Hmm. All right. Well, um we'll just run run through a few a few of the news uh news headlines that uh, jumped out. Um Microsoft's uh, Chromium Edge browser is now available to test. So uh, those who kind of want a bit of a bit of melding uh, together of uh, uh, Chrome and uh, and Microsoft Edge will be able to uh, start getting their hands on that as of uh, now. It's, it's downloadable right now. Um, and they're basically, you know, going to slowly be, uh, you know, coming out with their varying editions. Uh, it's going to be available, I think, Windows uh, 10 down to Windows 7, uh, and on uh, Mac OS X. So quite a few years since uh, Microsoft had a browser on uh, uh, on Mac, uh, but they're uh, they're getting back into that game. <laughs> yeah, well, I think I'll give it a look. Um, so yeah, that'll be interesting to see. Um, AMD have. Um, Unveiled their uh, their new Ryzen Pro and uh, Athlon Pro uh, mobile uh, processors, and I, I guess the, the thing that's interesting uh, to me about uh, you know AMD and where where they are now is they you know they seem to be. Um you know back in the game, as it were with, with intel and um you know providing providing a bit of competition so you know it's um, um, it 's likely to be that you know over the next year or two that their market share will uh, will rise a bit, and of course intel' have been having a uh, a few challenges. Yeah, uh, they had a bit uh, of, of a rough time uh, of it not of so long own. ago. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. And that that's that's been uh, you know go, going on for a little little while I suppose. So uh yeah, it's you know it's quite quite pleasing to see and you know the fact that you've got um you know the the two biggest um manufacturers laptops and HP and uh Lenovo uh using AMD chips now um and you know in a in a um a broader range of devices and you know business class uh, machines and so on uh, you know i think speaks to the confidence that is sort of growing uh, in AMD again and their ability to compete uh, and you know what i what I read on the new um, you know the new chips is that they're um uh, been a pretty pretty good from a, both a performance perspective and a um, um, and a power perspective as well up against the um you know comparably Priced uh, Intel chips, so um, yeah, be curious if anyone sort of jumped down that track and uh, decided to move their entire business's fleet of systems to uh, AMD. Look, yeah, um, last time
1: I had a proper look at that was when I was building my gaming PC uh, you know, a year or so ago, and yep. the old trawl through Tom's Hardware and all of the uh, the benchmark graphs and Intel were way ahead. Yeah, then yeah. so it's really good to see some competition coming back. I think.
0: Yep yep yeah it's a it's a good site friend of mine is uh an editor uh there um now i this sort of um you know is, is is interesting uh australian media uh reporting on uh, comments that have come come back from the consumer uh watchdog in in australia uh around the uh the the n b n um, their what they call their uh, national broadband network. I think some of us in New Zealand might challenge whether it's really broadband at all uh, that they have in Australia. Um, but yeah, that's it's just you know it's always interesting to to uh, just just to see what's going on uh, in Australia. I caught up with a, a, a friend uh, in Australia uh, the last couple of couple of nights, and uh, he was explaining to me uh that they based in uh Brisbane regularly go to the Gold Coast and he was just saying what a joke the broadband seems to be wherever they stay in the cold coast uh, i don 't quite know uh exactly how that's delivered, although you know he was telling me well you know there's a there's a there's a router in every room, so you know it must be getting its own dedicated connection but uh you know of course uh you know that that could just be um you know the in in building router going back to one connection that's sliced and diced up, and you know of course Australian connections aren't usually that uh that fast to start with, in uh, in a lot of cases. So, yeah. uh, but he was basically saying that the streaming was just just pointless.
1: Yeah, yeah. it's it's pretty interesting case study in uh, how not to roll out infrastructure. Actually, uh, yeah, with with all due respect to my friends who happen to work for NBN Co, I hope they're not listening to this. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I think we've got to give some credit to the policymakers here in New Zealand, where they set a A target, and they said we're going to do it properly, and we'll invest once to do it properly, and you get efficiencies out of doing it that way. Uh, You have to back yourself to find those efficiencies as you go. Mm. Um, But where it's got really complicated for NBN is they've got a mixed technology model, which means that they've got all sorts of different technologies in there, and you can never quite get to the economies of scale, and you've got to have multiple systems and all of that kind of stuff. So they've ended up in a sort of perverse. Situation where, in some cases, they're they're force migrating people from a better connection to a worse one. Um, yeah,
0: that, that that's not a good situation, is it? Yeah. And um, you know what what was coming through from the the consumer watchdog. Um, the A Triple C was, you know, challenges with pricing. Uh, so, you know, the the those those lower the lower performance plans actually uh, potentially costing more than what people were paying before. And as you say, maybe they actually the connections not necessarily. So you can see why uh, that wouldn't
1: be terrifically popular.
0: Quicker. The uh, only thing that stood out to me on a on a positive note. Um, was around, you know, some some of the plans looking as though they're a little bit lower than our plans uh, here. But you know, to what end if you've got uh, rubbish, rubbish internet, um, you know that that's that's not uh, um, you know particularly exciting. Uh, you know, I guess it, it means it, get, it gets to uh, gets to more uh, more people, but uh, you know that 's about it
1: yeah, and look if you shop around, you can find some pretty pretty good deals mm-hmm. here in New Zealand mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm.
0: so, yeah so um, the, the the only th- the only thing that i could um, that I could relate to um, you know cl- closely to you know, probably more some of the earlier experiences people had um, with ultra fast broadband in New Zealand um, was I think it was you know some somebody from the um, uh, the A Triple C, which is the Australian uh, Competition and Consumer Commission, uh, somebody from from their office who had. Uh uh, recently, tried to get NBN installed, and they'd had uh, three missed appointments from uh, uh, the NBN in, installers. Where the, the, you know they took half a day off work to be there for the install, and uh, nobody turned up. No, nobody called them. Um, so I know you know there, there's, there's yeah. one or two of us it, in look, New Zealand that it, have had those it sorts does of happen. challenges. Regrettably, <laughs> it does
1: happen. Um, yeah, we, we try to keep that to a, a minimum, but uh, I, we're doing one a minute. Yeah. yeah so well, we I, rattle through them pretty quickly
0: i think the 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 install process you know um has actually- you know has got a lot better um, and yeah, you has. know from the beginning to to where we are now where there's plenty of experience of how to do these things and um um you know hopefully um you know Chorus has been uh, encouraging contractors to, uh, you know, to communicate well, and in my experiences, certainly that seems to, yeah, uh, yeah, definitely yeah, seems yeah, to. Yeah, you hear sort of you hear approach. about the bad ones, yeah. of
1: course you do, yeah. but uh, yeah, just got to remember the you know, the context is. Hundreds of these every week.
0: Yeah, yeah. well, it's, it's certainly improved. So um, you know, we can yeah. give give uh, chorus and uh, uh, the ALIF local fibre companies a, a, a pat on the back. Uh, it's always good to be getting better. Yep. <laughs> um, now, oh, there there was a report. In fact, some somebody uh, somebody shared uh, a little little video online. Um, Apparently they wanted to see if they could fool the new Samsung uh, Galaxy S10's ultrasonic uh, fingerprint scanner by using 3D printing. Uh, so they took a uh, an image of a f- uh, i think their fingerprint that was on a glass, uh, captured that, and then did a three d printing and apparently uh, able to get into their uh, galaxy uh, s ten now I, I you know this has just just come through, so i haven 't uh, uh, seen whether there 's any uh, any response yet from uh, from from Samsung whether this is something that is able to be um, replicated, but you know, I guess it's it's reality as we keep changing technologies and you know wanting to do fancy uh, fancy new things, and we've moved to this model of you know a fingerprint scanner that's uh, you know basically embedded under the under the glass of the screen. Uh, there may the, maybe there's something that you lose in that. So uh, no, no doubt we'll hear a little bit more about that if that is uh, is a reality because these are uh, phones uh, where, yeah, you're very much relying on your fingerprint to uh. Yeah, uh, to I, get I think in. with
1: all the security stuff, it's always a trade-off between security and convenience as well. Um, so you could probably make it more secure, but if it means it's harder for consumers to use, it's, you know, it's a really tricky balance to get right. It,
0: it is. It's uh, it is. A, it is a challenge. Um, yeah, you need some sort of DNA test that happens very quickly, right. a high speed one. Yeah. Um, and um, Amazon seemed to be the uh, the latest player who is uh, going to jump into the uh, uh, the world of putting uh, putting satellites uh, into orbit. Uh, in order to uh, deliver uh, internet services around the world, so um, yeah, this I, I find this curious because we've now got quite a number of players that are talking about this. Um, you know, SpaceX, I guess, being uh, you know probably the most well uh, you know well known and uh, and, and well publicised, um, and you know, I can I can certainly see if it uh, if it does. Work well. This is something that will be, uh, you know, a great, uh, you know, benefit to those that are certainly in locations where it's hard to get access to more, uh, you know, fixed type uh, services. Uh, so, you know, those with a nice uh, fifty foot yacht, you know, that could uh, could be helpful. Yep. Um, but I guess you could use it in your dinghy when you're uh, if you're if you're out in your tinny doing a bit of uh, uh, fishing yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah, right? You
1: could. Uh, there's probably a role. A satellite yeah. in there somewhere, and it, it probably is in those sorts of situations.
0: And we've got those rural locations, right? Which is, yeah. uh, you know, I think with the NBN, they, they've taken the approach of going for satellite to get to they their have. most distant, but I'm not sure by um, you know that their approach is going to deliver results as good as what the market will just naturally deliver uh, in terms of what seems to be improving uh, satellite type offerings, right?
1: Yeah, it's definitely one to watch to see where that technology goes. You're right; there's a lot of interest in that at the moment.
0: Yeah, is is this the sort of thing that you think much about at at chorus? Because it's you know, I guess it's the it's the it's the opposite to to running fibre to every home. Is uh, you know, putting uh, putting a satellite up that can uh, serve an entire uh, uh, you know geography.
1: Yeah, uh, we do, Uh, and there's there's probably going to be choices that'll need to be made over the next few years, uh, particularly way out in the rural areas. Um, So we are required by legislation to at least provide voice services uh, all the way out. And they're really, really expensive to get to. And they use Mm. these great big antennas that are mounted on hills and things like that. And they're, they're getting past their best Mm. to to Mm. put it politely. Um, So, yeah, you
0: know, that could be having, more, having more a look at that. Be more, satellite could be, could a good be more solution cost effective for that. in some cases, yeah, and if yep. it
1: gives people a better broadband as well, mm. uh, I think mm. it's potentially a good way to go
0: right, so that could be because we've heard of uh, others and we've spoken to uh, Pacific for instance, on the show they 've got SpaceX putting up a you know a satellite that uh, will will be able to you know basically cover um, you know most of new zealand yeah. uh, I, I don't
1: think it'll ever compete with fixed or actually with with mobile mm. but. Fitting into that slot where mm. there's a gap, I think mm. there's probably a good argument for looking seriously at
0: that. Yep, yep. So would that be something that's a, a long, long way off in your thinking? I mean, how 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 yeah, old it's is probably that not infrastructure? Next year, but, and yeah. it's still an,
1: it's still an emerging technology, yeah. Right. So yeah. until you actually see these things up in the sky and the sort of services yeah. that they're able to deliver consistently, but it's yep. you know it's it's pretty interesting. It's something we've got mm. an eye on, mm. Um, mm. and solving that. Very, very remote, rural stuff is, you know, it's a policy challenge as well mm-hmm, as a technology mm-hmm, challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully, uh, you yeah, know, there, there, there may be a technology solution in there that will will work for everyone.
0: Yeah, because, uh, you know, I guess, you know, traditionally satellite, you know, been pretty uh, slow in, in terms of, you know, not much bandwidth from an internet perspective um, and quite high latency. So if you were doing phone calls over it, you know, um, it would be a, a, a harking back to the old old days of international phone calls and, yeah. uh, you know, one or, one or two second delays, uh, potentially. But, I, you know, I think where that technology is going, we get the, you know, lower Earth orbit uh, satellites. You potentially lower the latency. Uh, address, yeah. you know, both of those things, uh, yeah. at least to a reasonable, a reasonable degree. Yeah. yeah. Um, like I said, it's never yeah. going to
1: compete with fiber or something like mm. that. Mm. Um, but uh it's definitely well worth a worth a look as it evolves mm. and gets better mm.
0: Mm. yeah well i think that's going it's going to be um quite a fascinating fascinating one to one to watch i'm sure there are a few people sitting in rural locations at the at the moment that uh, wish they had something better so if that's, uh that's part of the mix that uh, that that helps uh, there'll be there'll be a few happy uh, happy people, I'm sure, and we certainly do have you know some some challenges with uh, you know with buying property today where one location has good internet, another location doesn't. It can impact um, you know the viability of a of a property purchase, right? in Terms of yeah, what, what it has got available. I think there's
1: a there's a longer term discussion about yeah, you know, can we take fibre even deeper into rural mm, as well? Mm. Yeah, it can be done. We've got the as a country we've got the power network out there we have got the old phone network out there it took decades mm, right mm. and there was a lot of cross subsidization and things like that but you know as i was saying before if government set a, a bold policy goal often the private sector will find a way to achieve it um so I, I i think we should still be having discussions about can we get fiber even further and deeper into rural because mm. you know the ideal, of course, would be for everybody to have access to the same
0: infrastructure.
1: Um, that's where I would really like to see us go. I think that mm. would really set New Zealand apart. Actually, how um,
0: how expensive would it would it be to go a extraordinarily. lot extraordinarily a lot further? Right? <laughs> that's, the that's the problem. You know, yeah. that's the challenge. That the you know the um, uh, UFB two or the, you know the second phase of you yeah. know ultra fast broadband is taking fibre out to um, you know quite small towns around. Yeah, New Zealand. I don't know if you know what the smallest uh, um, area is you deliver to, hundred. but it's, yeah, yeah, it's a sort of couple of hundred. So or you, we p- sort, of, less. sort of calculate
1: yeah. it on you know, what's your cost per connection, mm. Um, mm. and with UFB two, with 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 a bit of help from uh, the government, although it has to be paid back in time, um, you're looking at a few thousand dollars per connection. Mm. Very quickly after that, you're getting out to hundreds of thousands of dollars per connection. Um, so that you know, the, the graph just shoots up hmm. very very quickly so we're right on the sort of curve of the graph at the moment um, but uh, like I said this isn't a this is just network economics this is just how people have to think about networks and if you know, as a country we decide that it's worthwhile having everybody on this world class infrastructure then there's usually a way to, to solve it but it tends to have to be a partnership between government and private sector to make it work
0: yeah, yeah, that would be an interesting one. Uh, I'm sure there would be some uh, some debate, uh, you know, around uh, you know government chipping into well, yeah. if cross subsidization. if it, it costs quarter of a million dollars well. to get internet to somebody's house. That's right. Uh, who should pay? Yeah, for and that? if it's a
1: lifestyle property, <laughs> um, you know, and if it means cross subsidisation, which means that urban broadband is more expensive. Hmm.
0: Yeah, that's yes. not necessarily going to be a popular choice either. So. <laughs> Very, very true. Um, Now there was uh, news through um, I saw uh, from the BBC uh, that a a um, UK-based company, Reaction uh, Engines, uh, come up with what they're calling the Saber air-breathing rocket engine uh, for basically uh, attaching to incredibly fast um, supersonic. Airplanes, uh, and, uh, well, I don't know if is quite the right word. They're, they're talking about uh, potentially being able to get from New Zealand to uh, anywhere in the world in uh, around four, you know, or up to four hours. Um, that would be uh, somewhat impressive, I've got to
1: say. Definitely. Well, you know, I just got married a couple of weeks ago uh, and had my family come out from the UK. So I've been here for about 20 years, but I was born and brought up in the UK. Uh, and it was lovely to see them, but the prospect of them being able to be here in a couple of hours fills me with dread,
0: <laughs> frankly. So I'm quite
1: happy being on the other side of the planet. Sorry, mum, if you're listening to this, but I don't really mean it. Um, <laughs> but uh, I actually, I hate flying. So uh, anything that makes that shorter would be, it- a, would be a good thing.
0: It might be a little bit more dangerous, so depending yeah, on what aspect of flying that, I that, that you I'm pretty much convinced I'm going to die dis- every time dislike. I get on a plane anyway. Yeah,
1: yeah, so, okay. <laughs> 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 there's no real downside there.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, so I mean, I, 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 think yeah, that would be uh, that'd be very very cool if we could move that forward. Um, you know, there, there's potentially a little bit of sort of um, you know, environmental carbon footprint type stuff to to think about, but. Yeah, I guess if if we look at things today, people are flying and and uh, you know traveling more than they ever have done uh, um, before. So there's you know certainly an, an appetite for travel, and you know I think with the Concorde having um, you know gone out of service, there there is an interest in uh, you know what what else have we got uh, coming uh, coming next? So that would be um, yeah, that would be pretty cool as as long as it was safe. Um, I'd be uh, I'd be I'd be very keen to try that, that out so. yeah. unless it's
1: too bumpy <laughs>
0: <laughs> well yeah I wonder what that would be that'd be like if you get bumps at um, uh, those sort of speeds I not mm. remember what the speed what the speeds were was um,
1: yeah I think uh, they tend to go at higher altitudes as well don't they so it tends to be a bit smoother
0: take take you up into uh, space so yeah, yeah. so around uh, yeah Mach 5 they're saying Mach okay. 5 uh Five times the speed of sound. So, um, yeah, that would, that would be cool. Um, and uh, the the other um, headline that jumped out at me, um, actually she was in the BBC as well, uh, Google's ethics board shut down. So, um, yeah, apparently they've had an independent group set up to oversee Google's uh, artificial intelligence uh, work and um, the whole thing has come uh, tumbling down. Uh, less than two weeks after they actually uh, launched it, so um, they were calling the advanced Technology External Advisory Council. Um, the idea was that you know it was going to look at these uh, you know ethical things to do with with AI uh, facial recognition machine learning and and uh, whatnot and um, yeah, one of them uh, resigned, and then another. Um, um, was uh, re- requested or you know e- external uh, pressure uh, was applied that they should be uh, removed and it uh, sounds like it's all turned out to be a, a bit of a debacle I, you know to me this this highlights sort of the you know the challenges that we have with uh, you know commercial organizations trying to uh, uh, you know decide what's appropriate and and uh, and, and what's right um it's you know this is not not an easy one and you know governments can't keep up their regulation uh with what what we should be doing with um, well, social networks for for starts we you know, obviously have chased a lot of challenges around Facebook recently um, and certainly artificial intelligence and privacy and you know there 's so many uh, aspects where you know technology has just moved faster than uh, uh, than what legislation can and then we have the challenges that the big players within within the tech world don 't want to be beholden to yeah, you know, hundreds of different rules and regulations from you know, every different country, and so that was where we had that, um, uh, I guess, pushback. You could say from uh, Mark Zuckerberg and uh, um, the article that he wrote a, a week or so, um, you know, back, and was basically saying, "Hey, you know, the the governments of the world all need to come together and agree on one standard, and then yes, we could follow that." Uh, you know, which is kind of asking for the the impossible uh, to be done and, you know, you just yeah, need to compare. Just get the,
1: world peace sorted. That's a, get all governments of the world to agree on anything. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, on,
0: it's on the same and level as you, If as anybody achieving can world peace. unite
1: all governments of the world, it might be Facebook.
0: <laughs> well, you know, um, I think, yeah, some some obviously you know huge huge challenges to uh, to to deal with but look i do i I am pleased that we've got the likes of of Google uh, you know Microsoft I think uh, you know have been big on on trying to um, you know work out how uh, you know what what lines to to draw. Uh, and I, you know, I guess most of these larger organisations will have, to varying degrees, some of them though will be leaning much more towards the commercial outcomes. Uh, some, some more to. You know, really being you know quite ethical, um, and then of course everyone operates on different sort of ethical standards. So you know, Microsoft have, have been uh, in in the gun um, for some of their work with the uh, with the military, uh, and in fact, it was the the Verge this week that um, showed off um, the Microsoft variation of the uh, Hololens um, for U.S. Uh, military which uh they actually look quite quite fascinating uh and there's talk that they might um oh maybe it was c n b c that um uh, that picked that up, but it's ended up in a in a in a few other places uh too and um yeah basically the uh you know customized augmented uh reality headset so um yeah despite having having heard varying things from, you know, say Microsoft, that they're, uh, they really are, you know, on a good track. Of course, there are a lot of people that are just uncomfortable that they're doing anything with military, um, you know, that potentially involves, um, you know, people dying. I
1: think um, what we're, we're probably seeing at the moment is, and, it, and it's really come through just in the last few years in the, into the mainstream, is you're getting a bit more discomfort with the role that the tech giants play in our lives and how they're shaping our societies without much in the way of oversight. Now, I've got no idea what the right solution is to sort that out, but either these big companies are going to get so far away from the expectations that the public have of them that it's going to hurt their business anyway, mm. or there will be a regulatory response. That's just you know the way things work. Um, I'm glad I'm not a lawmaker trying to solve that because it's uh, it's not an easy equation to solve, but it needs to be done.
0: Can um, it be done though? Well, well, it's not easy. Yeah. You know, we were chatting about it before yeah, the show, yeah. and you know, Look, we we um, don't necessarily have all the answers. Are politicians actually going to be able to sort this stuff out? Well, I, I think with all of these things
1: it will evolve over time, you'll have yeah. a go, uh,
0: and you know.
1: As a as a country will decide whether that works or not. You know, I was, I was reflecting back when when newspapers first came out, um, there was some, re- some really interesting similarities to the the social media world at the moment. Like they were basically all scurrilous rumor mags with uh, with very little grounding in fact and things like that, and um, and that's where defamation laws and suing people for, mm, for mm. libel and, and things like that came from. So there was. A response, um, and you know, you still get people arguing for should there be more state control of what's okay to be published and things like that. And I'm pretty uncomfortable with that because I've got a, a really strong view that media should hold governments to account. And I think what's we happening with have
0: a free press, don't we? Yeah, and I yeah. think
1: what's happening with social media is a bit of a subset of that mm, tension mm, about mm. how you, you get those settings, right. Yeah. Um, cause if we go back to your comments before about the potential for totalitarian abuses of this information, yeah, that's a scary place as well. So, um, I think we've got to, we've got to try, we've got to try some things, see what works, mm. but be open to, mm. to changing them. Um, we're, we're lucky in New Zealand that we actually have a relatively rapid legislative process. Mm. So we mm. can get stuff through the house, relatively quickly if if governments are minded to do so. Um can have downsides too. can have downsides too, exactly. good. sometimes
0: how bad regimes end up with a, with a lot right. of power. That's right, and we have a I'm short not electoral... I'm not suggesting that no, that's... No, 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 I'm sure, I'm sure Prime Minister I <laughs> is not is, is not a dictator in waiting, <laughs> but
1: uh, um, yeah, uh, I think our short electoral cycle doesn't really
0: help with good long-term policy settings mm. on that front either. Mm. Yeah, that, I think the. There is a little bit of a, a, a challenge with that, and it, it makes it, uh, you know, probably hard to be as, as strategic as, uh, as the government should be. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, now there was oh, there were a couple of other there were some gadgets that we we're going to talk about on this episode, a bit of um, hands on with tech, but I don't think we're going to have time for that. So we'll keep moving on to um, on to other other topics. Um, Oh, so locally, uh, Samsung unveiled their um, 8K uh, TVs in, uh, in New Zealand um, just over the last uh, last twenty four hours. So I've sort of seen that hitting um, uh, the Herald and and uh, and whatnot today. And look, yeah, the, the technology has been around for a, a number of years and sort of. We had a mostly uh, demo form is what I've seen at, at CES over the over the years, um, but we've now started seeing 8K TVs commercialised, and uh, Sam com- Samsung are uh, sort of yeah, position themselves, I guess, at the forefront uh, locally by being the first to release that. Uh, and I guess that's a reflection of what their position is in the market. They seem to be uh, um, you know, generating uh, the most revenue when it comes to uh, TVs compared to uh, anyone, anyone else. And uh, look, they seem to be doing a pretty good job of it with their uh, – uh, with their offerings, and uh, they're lined up to be, of course, the the first uh, uh, TV that'll have Spark Sports, um, the Spark Sport app um, coming up in well, in theory, next month. So um, this will be quite an interesting year, I think, from a perspective of uh, TVs, because uh, a lot of people are kind of going to be looking at, well, how do we watch the Rugby World Cup, and how do we do it reasonably easily, um, and certainly. You know, one of the one of the gaps is there isn't a sort of a perfect set top box for um, Spark Sport, but maybe the perfect set top box is to have an app that's just built into your uh, TV, and as long as you've got um, you know a good broadband connection, in theory, uh, Spark will deliver a. a um, uh, a, a stunning result, and of course, there's there's lots of other sort of technicalities to that. It's probably, um, you know, in many ways more more complex than the uh, uh, you know what we've been used to with, with sport in the past coming over a, a satellite uh, connection. Um, in terms of actually getting eight K native content, it sounds like we're not going to see a you know a whole lot in the in the short term locally. Um, but yeah, have a, having a look uh, yesterday. Um, these TVs do a pretty good job on the uh, the upscaling uh, side as well um, and so very 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 well, nice uh, yeah, devices Yes, yeah, you've know, you got the money to get spend fibre. Yes. Cool. <laughs> I um, guess that lines up very well with the chorus story doesn't <laughs> it? It does,
1: it does. Um, I'm lucky enough to have a 4K TV at home, I don't know if you've seen the new David Attenborough documentary that went on Netflix a yep. couple of days ago it looks brilliant, Yeah, it's yeah. done in 4K and HDR and yeah, it's a really great way of showing off what you can do with this stuff. Eight K content will turn up mm. in time. You gotta have the sets out there first, otherwise nobody will bother to produce it. I guess it is a little bit chicken and egg that way. Um, yeah,
0: and and you know, because you're dealing with four times as much data it puts a lot more you know, pressure on all the pieces of technology to make that, you know, the, those yep. workflows. Definitely uh, need a fiber uh, actually, connection. Actually operate. But, yeah, yeah, you've got
1: to have good Wi Fi at home as well one of the best investments i made was i got myself an orbi router mm. with a couple mm. of satellites yep. um and that keeps
0: my 13 year old daughter much happier <laughs> yeah certainly uh you know these mesh uh, wi-fi um systems are very helpful if you can't run um you know ethernet to your key locations yeah. Yeah. um although i certainly think you know there's some wisdom and the approach uh, with, you know, UFB installers of, you know, potentially, um, you know, putting putting a, a UFB connection in a place that's going to make it easy well, to connect to a primary Well, fixed is always TV. better than wireless, Paul.
1: That's uh, so, right. Yeah, it's definitely, if you can do that and that's what you're looking to do with your connection, that's the way to do it. Um, one other thing probably to, to mention there is uh, let's not forget about VDSL. If for whatever reason you can't get fiber in time for the World Cup, uh, VDSL is a really good option. Um, so if you're chugging along ADSL at the moment, it's often a free upgrade and you'll get a better and faster service. So that's worth looking out for as well.
0: Yeah, I hope we don't have too many listeners who are uh, in in that in that state, yeah, uh, our, our uh, audience, you know tends to keep up to date with those things. But yeah. uh, you know, some, some, yeah, some yeah. people might certainly. Not, c- might, might be have fam- covered, family, yeah, family members either. that are in that uh, yeah. uh, in that boat or what have you. So yeah, definitely definitely worth you know double double mm-hmm. checking. And uh, you know, we've got the national broadband map, and of course the chorus website for uh, for for looking things up. Um, very 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 helpful. Now I do notice it's kind of interesting that you can go and look up uh, anybody's in internet connection at their, at their house and see what speed they've got on the Chorus website. That's right. Um, so I was able to check my neighbour's uh, connection. You can see who's made good choices and, uh, and who yeah, hasn't you can, made you good can choices. See what, see what they're up to. Um, <laughs> and, and sometimes I notice you can get a big difference in a VDSL area from you know, even one house to the next, quite different sort of speeds, I guess, um, depends on I guess, how long the cable's been in the ground, how it's deteriorated and different I guess you know uh, different times that they've actually been installed and so on right There's yeah, like all yeah. Fat- the, I mean and the and great
1: benefit of fibre is it's not
0: variable like that um,
1: whereas you know VDSL can be uh, you've got to pass what we call a pre-qualification to make sure that the infrastructure is good enough to run mm. a VDSL service over mm. it um, but uh, you know Ninety-nine times out of a hundred, if you've got VDSL available, it'll it'll significantly outperform ADSL. If you can't get on fibre, that is.
0: Mm, mm. Yeah. Um, also locally, Simon Muta uh, stepping down at Spark. Yeah, um, there was a little little bit of a uh, surprise last week. So um, Julie Hodson will be stepping in uh, to fill uh, to fill the role as uh, chief executive. Uh, from the first of July and uh Grant uh, McBeath will be uh, taking up um Julie's prior role of uh, customer yep. service. that 's both good
1: people. I hope they do really well. Uh you know I think New Zealand benefits when, when Spark's doing well. So uh yeah. Um I think Simon did a, a pretty good yeah you know, pretty good job with uh with Spark and um yeah when the company split in two uh both companies had to change pretty substantially, uh, and he's done a, a really, really good job of leading Spark through those changes. Um, now it's up to Jolie and the team to see whether they, you know, they take things next.
0: Mm. Yeah, I, you know, it was interesting. You know, I had a had a call from um, you know, one of the one of the TV news. Um, programs and I think they were maybe looking for sort of a you know controversial uh you know take on the whole thing and uh you know I had to say, look i you know I think um you know Simon Murdoch has done a you know done a done a really good job um and you know i can 't see that um you know jolie stepping into the role you know necessarily will be looking to do things in you know any dramatically uh, different way, and and you know we'll, we'll obviously wait wait and see, um, but you know they they seem to be heading down a um, uh, you know a, a track that's um, reasonably reasonably good from yeah. uh, from They're, most. they have got to figure out exactly
1: how five G is going to work for them, um, and that's you know, got a bit more complicated recently as well in terms of who's going to be their technology supplier. Uh, but figuring out how hard and fast they invest in five G, I think is. It's probably the big investment call that they'll have to make over the next couple of years.
0: Mm. Well, yeah, and, that, and that's a you know a case, I guess you know right right across the mobile uh, networks, which mm. probably leads us into uh, um, you know one of the topics that we wanted to talk about from a chorus perspective. Um, you know, it's been suggested may, maybe uh, you know chorus could run. All the mobile network, your five G sort of requirements for for the country. Just explain a, a, a little what uh, you know what what that could look like. Yeah,
1: I'm not sure that was ever quite
0: what was okay, actually prob- suggested probably, at yeah. the
1: time, but uh, there there were sort of fine points of detail. So yeah, um, run us through it. I think you know, you've you've said on the show before, uh, and you've had people talking about it. The business case for five G is hard. Figuring out how you're going to make y- your money back on that investment. Uh, and the lights will come back on. There we go. <laughs> um, figuring out how you're going to make your money back on that investment's hard. And you know, that's not just true in New Zealand. That's true everywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what you're seeing in some other countries is um, some of the uh, the network operators already starting to talk about sharing. Mm-hmm. So in South Korea and uh, um yeah, and a couple of other places, they're pretty advanced in basically saying if we all pool our resources, we can make the business case stand up and then you know, um, we can get 5G rolled out a bit faster and a bit further. Right. Um, I think there's probably uh, some stuff that we could take from the success of UFB which, which pretty much followed that model, right? It's, it's build it once, make it open access – uh, let the you know the competition flourish at the the retail and the services end of things, and don 't double up on your investment in infrastructure, most of which is really boring actually when you 're talking about infrastructure you 're talking about steel and concrete and power and yeah, and, and those sorts of things rather than the the very clever electronics necessarily. Mm. And um, there's a
0: level to which this is happening with the rural broadband initiative, that's right. isn't it? That's right. Um, you know, where, so. where, where we see the um, you know, yeah. the mobile providers sort of work, so. working together.
1: My, my, my personal take is I think it's inevitable there will be some form of infrastructure sharing over time on 5G in New Zealand. Uh, it just depends what form it 's going to take and whether that 's a commercial one or whether it needs you know some sort of regulatory encouragement to make everybody play nicely um, you know it 's not a a sector that 's necessarily noted for its uh, enthusiastic collaboration so um, you know, I, I do think that the economics of five g are such that eventually we 're going to have to sit down and have those sorts of
0: discussions um, it, it, it would seem like uh, you know at the moment two degrees would be the uh you know out of the three networks would be the one that would uh you know potentially struggle the most with uh with 5g i think i think all three of them are are, um have different challenges
1: uh i don't think it's easy for for any of them uh i think vodafone have been on record as saying that yep they'll get to 5g eventually Mm -hmm. uh yeah, you know, when, when Jason thinks he'll be able to turn a back on it. Um, well, yeah,
0: it's a it's a challenge, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. it is it is a big investment, and you know he's trying. Jason's trying to get uh, you know Vodafone ready to uh, ready to IPO. Um, yeah, to, to list, and uh, you know if you uh, if you if you want to put a, a business on the stock exchange, you want the numbers to look really good. Yeah, I and, well, I uh, do think
1: you've also got to yeah. have a story about what you're going to do about five G. Uh, so I think it's difficult to go to the market and say invest in my company if you know, you're know you not sure exactly what role you're going to play in 5G and mm. how that's going to look. So um, like I said, I think it's inevitable that over the next year or so there will have to be some more discussions about potential ways that that could work. Um, and look, I think that would be – I mean personally, I think that would be a good thing for New Zealand because if you're not duplicating that really boring passive infrastructure – it means that you can take it further. You can, you know, you can cover more areas, and it means it can potentially get much deeper into rural. If you're not building th-
0: things three times over in a the city, um, there is some value of redundancy, though, isn't there? There is. And, uh, you know, there I is. think with with the uh, the the Waiheke outage yesterday, um, you know, I saw you know some some comments, and and I haven't sort of delved into the uh, all the ins and outs of it that you know suggested maybe. Uh, you know some networks were impacted more more than others uh, depending on you know how how they were uh, they were set up for instance so um there certainly can be benefits of having a bit of oh, diversity. i, look, I, too, I right? agree entirely,
1: yeah. and you, know, you can also build diversity into an open access shared network as well of course um so you know, one doesn 't preclude the other hmm. um, but look, uh any enthusiasm from any telcos on this one? Oh, uh, like I said, I don't think it's a, an industry that's necessarily <laughs> oriented towards collaboration by its nature. Um, but uh, let's let's see what happens over yeah. the next couple of years. Mm. I would say.
0: Mm. Mm. Um, now the the other the other thing um, that you know I guess has. Uh, um, uh, Been in discussion uh, recently is this idea of uh, unbundling um, of uh, of UFB um so that's you know it was part of how uh, you know, crown fiber now crown infrastructure um you know sort of map map things out for that to be um you know a, a capability yep. um of the ultra fast broadband network and uh, you know um yeah providing that as as one uh, one potential mechanism for uh, for for utilizing um fiber um What's Chorus thinking about this is obviously yep. um, some, some somewhat uh, different uh, thinking between um, local uh, telcos and, uh, and Chorus on that.
1: Yeah, well, a couple of the retail service providers were uh, reasonably forthright in their views on that one. Uh, I, it's worth probably starting with what fibre unbundling isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, unbundling sort of came about 15 years ago. Uh, as With a copper network, yeah, of the of the copper network, uh, and that was back when you had you know big incumbents who were who were dominant in the market, who were who were you know both owned the infrastructure and sold the services, um, and it was a solution to introduce competition into the market. Uh, and it was technically for copper. It's relatively straightforward. You go and install some broadband electronics in, a, in your local exchange, and then you, you physically swap the copper cable over from one to the other, and boom, that's it. It's unbundled. Now, the,
0: this idea of physically swapping things yeah. um, isn't something that we're kind of used to in a, in a fibre world, is it? Well, well, we would have to uh, if we unbundle fibre. Um,
1: so where where it gets a bit different is uh, the way that the, the fiber network is built, which has been built from day one to enable unbundling, to mm. be clear. So mm. this, is, this is really a matter of economics and pricing rather than whether it's technically mm. feasible. Um, you, you have to go and install some – broadband electronics in an exchange of which there's about 500 then you've got a fibre that runs to what's called a splitter which is actually just a little prism like on the cover of Dark Side of the Moon which splits the uh, splits the light up amongst 16 other fibres so Mm. if you're Mm. going to unbundle you've got to go and roll the truck to um, where the splitter is and put your own splitter in and then you then also have to go to the customer's house and stick a new optical network terminal on the wall as well um, so it's a lot more complicated than just switching over a cable in an exchange. You got to roll a truck a bunch more times, and because you got to get into it in multiple places, you literally have to cut into the fiber, uh, and then you've got to fuse it back together again by heating it up and things like that. So, um, this is in the exchange, in the exchange, yeah. and at the splitter, and at the uh, and at the customer's premise. Um, so uh, it's a lot more technically challenging um, and the other, the other big difference is when the copper network was being unbundled uh, the, these were all assets that had long since been built and paid for mm. um, but we're still building the fiber network and haven't had any chance to generate a return from it um, so finding a price that still allows us to do that because it's important that we can do that so that we can just keep on investing and maintaining the
0: thing um, I'm sure your shareholders are looking for a return at some point
1: well, yes, and uh, you know, I don't think that's uh, you know, a, a bad thing if we want to encourage further investment into the future. Mm. Um, so you know, it, it is inevitably it's going to be more expensive um, and we've run a pretty long and detailed consultation process with the with our retail service provider customers. Only Vodafone and Vocus have expressed any interest. Mm. Up to now, at, at stage. Um, yeah. and yeah. you could probably characterize it as a bit of an arm wrestle over over pricing yeah. more than anything else. There's no unwillingness from our end to do it. We just can't do it and leave ourselves desperately underwater because that actually means that we will have trouble maintaining the network and the infrastructure and investing into the future. And mm. Mm. That doesn't really suit anybody. The other thing that you've got to be a bit conscious of through all of this is – um, we've got a regulatory process to go through till 2022 where they figure out what all of the the assets are worth and therefore what we can charge. And if sure. you just stick a price in the middle of all of that, the risk of it distorting that process is there. Uh, and the final thing you've got to be careful with is if you get that price wrong, um, because the longer regulatory process hasn't been completed, um, you either have a significant advantage or disadvantage to unbundlers over the rest of... The RSPs, the the, you know, the rest of the retail service providers who right. can't afford the upfront millions of dollars to build the systems to unbundle, um, so you could really tip the competitive balance out of kilter there as well. So, I guess if I was to wrap all of that up, is it's pretty nuanced and getting the right price that everybody is happy with uh, is a is a tough old task actually.
0: But we're still talking. Mm, mm. Yeah, it is an interesting. Uh, it is an interesting. Challenge, you know. I guess, um, yeah. I mean, uh, technically, because there are there are two pieces of fiber that usually run into a a home, for instance, or or a business. One of those is for chorus network, and the other is for unbundling. Can be used for unbundling. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. So that's what I said. It's been built
1: from day one to enable unbundling.
0: Right. So once once that's um, you know once the 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 truck's been rolled, as you say, Mm -hmm. um, and those things have sort of been put in place, that's not something that somebody then wanted to switch back to the chorus network. Is going to need a huge amount of work to. To do because that's using a different different no, piece of no, fibre, so you could still leave the on uh, and, well, and so on and y- y- place. Y- well, you
1: would still you would still leave the on, yeah, because um, we would be very confident that people would want to come back, of course, <laughs> uh, Paul. Um, but also, there's these new services that we we've just started investigating, which also run over the second fibre. So there's we've had a trial broadcasting service up and. And things like that. So you still need to Mm. to keep that one Mm. there. You would potentially end up with this slightly ludicrous situation if you ended up then switching to yet another retail service provider that was also unbundled. You end up with three ons on your wall and and things like that. Which yeah, these these are just all things that need to be worked through to make sure that they're practical and realistic.
0: Yep. Now um, talk us through the um, you know the, the broadcast um things that um that chorus has has, has looked at yep. um you know yes that you know, people are still pretty un- un- uneasy until we you know until we get to the rugby world cup and we see how it works you know i think it's it's fair to say there's there's a, there's an uneasiness about what that will look like um what what could you how could you imagine that sort of being being uh, different if there was sort of you know uptake of a a chorus provided um, service i mean this is yep. sort of effectively um, gives you a, a direct connection to to the broadcast that's right um, you yeah. know, so con- it takes a, a bunch of the variables out um, yeah you
1: know, the, the way broadcasting is done at the moment it uses an over the top service which relies a little bit on you know, the public internet, uh and um you know, making sure there's enough capacity in that. And yeah, of course we we all plan to make sure that there's enough capacity, not just in the chorus network, but in the retail service providers network as well. But sometimes you can get sideswiped by well, sometimes it's malicious stuff like denial of service attacks, or sometimes it's just the latest Fortnite patch pops up and uh suddenly you, you know um parts of the network have run out of space. Uh, So we've made sure that we've got bags of capacity in in our network for Rugby World Cup time. So uh, we're pretty sure that's not going to happen. But um, The service that we're talking about actually runs on its own dedicated fiber. So it takes Mm. all of those concerns away. Uh, I think the main reason why um, broadcasters haven't gone for it yet is uh, it's not widespread enough yet. We've got half a million, a bit over half a million of fibre connections. If you're a Sky TV or somebody like that, you want to be able to reach every household or virtually every household. So I think it's one that will
0: probably come back in a you know, in two or three years. Um, How cost-effective would it be? I mean, when you competing against internet that people are already paying for? It must be reasonably hard for somebody to be convinced that they should pay uh, you know, a higher cost um, than uh, that, or well, does it work it, out very, very competitive because of, you know, it's dedicated bandwidth and, the, the, and so the, on? the
1: cost savings come more in if you're a if you're a broadcaster, you don't have to pay for satellite
0: hmm.
1: anymore, or you don't have to pay cordia to use the terrestrial broadcasting network and things like that. So, right. you're, if you're your Sky TV, hypothetically, you could offer this service, which would you know, allow streaming up to eight K example mm. um, live sporting events with guaranteed throughput and things like that um, without having to you know, you'd know, you have to decide whether it's cheaper and better to stick with your satellite distribution method whether you go for over the top with all of the potential challenges that are inherent in that or whether you buy a service of of this nature um, so like I said I think it's one of those ones that probably a, you know, a few years away from having critical mass but I think it's 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 highly likely that over time the fibre network will become the, the distribution network for
0: most of this stuff, whether it's internet or dedicated other services. Hmm, hmm. How much chances do you, do you think that we would land on a, on a solution that wouldn't just be over the top, over our traditional, uh, over, our, over our internet connections? And why, why do you think, yeah... I'm just. I'm just. Yeah. I'm just, so, I don't think yeah. we've really seen this happening anywhere else in the world, no, ha- no, have so, we? To any so to be clear, know, great degree.
1: I really, really hope the Rugby World Cup goes really well, um, because the more that you can convince people that streaming is a really good solution, mm. um, the more people will be jumping onto fiber, uh, and so you know, we want the Rugby World Cup to be a, a, a great success. Um, if it isn't. For whatever reason, I think Spark have been smart to have failover back to TVNZ on the, the key ones, just in case. Um, but uh, if it isn't, um, then it might be time for people to start looking at some more of these dedicated services. Um, but we're we're pretty ambivalent either way, actually. We just want people using the, the fiber and being on the best connection. Um, and if the, the driver of that is an over-the-top streaming service, then that's all good with us as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess the the more you can make off the asset, um, you know that that that's attractive. But of course, yeah. that's not going to be of interest if people find that uh, you you know using the internet connection works. Yeah, work, and it, works and look. Well. Like-
1: the The broadcasting thing um if it's not that, it might be something else mm. that you mm. can do with that second fiber, yeah. yep um, so that was one of the first ones out of the blocks but mm. um you know, there's potentially other stuff that you can do with it as well, so mm. we don't we don't know yet that's mm. going to be part of the yeah. fun is figuring that out over the next few years yeah
0: it's not ni- it's nice to have that uh, option isn't it? it's nice yeah. nice to that the uh um, UFB network's been built that way. Yeah.
1: yeah. And again, praise to our policy architects because they really did future-proof it when uh, you know, setting out to do UFB. They made a lot of really brave but smart calls at the time.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think it would be it'd be hard to disagree with with that too much. But mm. I mean, there'll always be people that disagree, I suppose. Well, yes, <laughs> um, but certainly, uh, stacking up what, what what what's been done here compared to uh, Australia, we've yeah. We've, when we've when we're we'll done, we'll be number five well. in the
1: world for fibre, which <laughs> is
0: pretty remarkable for a
1: for a little country at the bottom of the world with hardly anybody in it. Yeah, it's uh,
0: it's very very pleasing to see now. Um, Anything else on the? I I guess on the you know on the chorus front, most often um, that we hear about chorus tends to be when something's gone wrong. Um, what are the biggest challenges that you uh, that you deal with of course you've been doing a you know work, working hard to you know to let people know that they've got you know probably got faster infrastructure uh, under their feet and so on than than what they're using in a lot of cases and you know um you know making it very easy for people to jump online and, and find yeah. out what what's available but you know what are, what are the current challenges i mean oh, in you're, those you're, early always, you're days, always trying to was, get better at the install stuff yeah okay
1: um and uh, so um we set ourselves a target of having seventy-five percent of our installs done in one visit mm. by the end of this year. We're we're well on track to be able to do that. Um and uh probably the other thing that's really uh uh we're we're pretty focused on at the moment is in the run up to the Rugby World Cup. Uh yeah, there's there's likely to be a surge of orders as people get close to uh, yes. yeah, uh close to the to the Rugby World Cup. Um And genuinely, there's only a finite amount of them that we can get through. Um, So uh, uh, I'm sure it's not true of any of your listeners. However, if they have friends and family (laughs) and they're wondering about whether they need to get on Fiverr, they need to get
0: their order in now. All our mm. NZ Tech podcast listeners are perfect. They do everything by the book. Quite don't, right, too. don't we, listeners? Okay, I'm I'm lying now. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that's no, that's prob- good that's advice. Get, get, get in get, early. Get your order Friends in now. and family, encourage a, them tic- to get in early. A and get it done on
1: our website, which shows yep. how many installations we got left until uh, the uh, the Rugby World Cup. Right. So uh, right. oh, you can see that ticking down. So yep. Yep. Um,
0: yeah, if you get in now, you won't miss out. Okay. Okay. Uh, that's that's good, mm. excellent. Well, um, thanks very much, Ian. It was uh, it's good to good to catch oh, up. No problem. And, uh, hope, it was,
1: hope it was useful chat. And, uh, yeah. yep,
0: Um, and fill in a few gaps. And look, you know, we'll, we may have some questions come in from listeners, so we might, uh, uh you know, drop you a, a, an yeah, email with any other bits and pieces yeah. that, uh, that 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 come through. Um, what is the best way for people to get Get in touch. You're quite. Of course, it's pretty active on uh, on Twitter and yeah, uh, Twitter
1: and Facebook. Yep. E- either of those will do. Yeah. Um, or uh, my own handle. If you want to give me direct feedback about anything that I've said, is at Ian Bonner B O W N A R. So uh, feel free to
0: be nice. Excellent, excellent. That's good. All right. Well, uh, well. Thanks, Ian. And uh, yeah, great to uh, great to get a bit of a yeah. bit of an update on uh, what's happening in the world of chorus. Uh, thanks everybody for listening in. You can, of course, uh, track us down online nztechpodcast dot uh, and you can you can reach me across uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, Paul Spain, um, or you can always uh, drop me an email as well, um, paul spain at guerrillahq.com. All right. Thanks, everyone. Catch you next week. Bye. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Guerrilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.